Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome back, everybody, to an ESSR feature show. Yes, there is actually a feature show here on the Sleep Suplex Retreat podcasting feed. We're back to our regularly scheduled programming. You know, we feel it's important for us here on this panel to be the first feature show in a few weeks because to the three of us, these airwaves are sacred. Much like the subject of today's career profile believes that the wrestling mat is indeed sacred. But before that, a bit of housekeeping. You can find Eat, Sleep, Soapets Retreat when we do do feature shows and all the other stuff that we do on all good Android podcasting sites, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Podbean. Wherever you get your podcast, please give us a like, rating, or review on your chosen podcast platform. You can also find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Soapets Retreat. Get involved in the conversation over on the Eat, Sleep, Soapets Retreat community page. Now, on to the panel. We've got our very own version of Imperium here today. We have myself leading this band of misfits as this podcast version of the Ring General. Also because people <laughs> jokingly say that I do look like Walter. We have similar facial features. When it says, <laughs> that's when I've got my hair cut short. When I try it, when it starts growing out, then I look like now emo Dominic Mysterio. <laughs> it's like a Pokemon evolution. Who's <laughs> <laughs> that Pokemon? It's Gunther. <laughs> you guys said think you're saying it's Walter, and he goes, "It's Gunther." Fuck. <laughs> uh, and joining me today is a man who I I guess regularly with on East Meets West. There should be an episode coming out fairly soon uh, of that because there's a lot going on in New Japan. He's always by my side on East Meets West. My very own Japanese wrestling-loving Ludwig Kaiser. He is Grant McRobbie. Pleasure to be on and to talk about the ring general, Volta. An absolute legend. I still call him Volter. They can say he's Gunther. He is Volter to me forever. <laughs> he will always be Volter to me. We will, I'll probably end up calling him Volter for most of this show because the times we were talking about him, he was called Walter. So out of habit, I'll probably call him that. But joining us... He was, he's been gone for a little while, but he's recently made his return. You heard him the other week on ESSR Central. Now he's back on the feature shows. He's by our side where he belongs 
our very own Giovanni Vinci as Chris Anthony Lopez. I am so happy I'm Giovanni Vinci. Like y'all don't understand. Like when <laughs> when when Scott was making the intro, I'm like, please, I hope I'm Giovanni Vinci. I really hope so. And here I am. I'm back. I sound a little funny. My it's it got very it got really cold over here in my part of my part of America. So my my uh, my allergies are acting up, and your boy cannot talk a lot. But he's here talking about Guntha. <laughs> the way we should be. <laughs> well, let's not start an argument here about pronunciations here. Well, we'll never get anything done. But well, I'm glad you're here. You do, you do fittingly sound like you just got chopped in the throat by Gunther. So <laughs> you're <laughs> on the right I got, show. I actually just got done uh, smoking a pack uh, in ten minutes. So um, yeah, I'm I'm out here. You are definitely here. It's sad to have you. Now let's get into into Walter's life in there and where he and where he started in the wrestling world. But uh, we're gonna before we talk about that, I want to ask you guys about your first the first time you guys kind of saw Walter. You know, he for a long time in the independent scene was kind of all over the place. Everywhere he went, he was winning championships. And we'll get into some of those accolades in a little bit. But Grant, you got to see uh, Walter a lot. Uh, you know, in places like Progress and everything. So, can you take us back? Where, where do you remember the first time you got to see or experience Walter in the ring? So, the first time I got to experience him, well, in, in person was chapter 69 for Progress. <laughs> what a number. Um, and that was against the wrestler who we're just going to redact and just not say his name because he is a, not a nice person. Putting it lightly. But um, yeah, it was during a, a, a run when Walter was beating that same person in every promotion. And looking back, it was beautiful to watch him absolutely destroy him. You know, good fun. Uh, so I've seen, <laughs> I seen, I seen him live with that, but I'd also kind of got into him when I'd started watching Progress before and seen him with the original kind of ring camp with him, Axel Dieter Jr. and Timothy Thatcher. Now, how's that for a scary trio? <laughs> yeah. Timothy Thatcher, I'm assuming the person who Chris handled it with definitely did not want me to to compare him to. But I, I know the few <laughs> about there, Grant, and you know, it wasn't until we were about to record this that I remember just how many people that he feuded with we can't talk about, especially one of his more notable independent feuds, which went across many promotions. And this person, we'll call them Kaiser Sose, because we don't want to mention his actual name. He uh he every promotion he went, every time he fought Walter, he couldn't win, and every time you thought, oh, maybe he'll win at this time, but he didn't. And now looking back on what we've learned about this person, we know that Walter was a good guy in that feud all along. <laughs> Walter was the hero we didn't know we had at that time. Yeah, he'd done so many great ma- great matches, especially in progress. Um, very notable for his run with like the Atlas title, which was kind of like the reverse cruiserweight title, since everyone in the UK seemed to be under £205. So we had this one for the big lads and eventually unifying the, the progress titles. So he'd done a lot there and he was in progress for like four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like, there was, and at the time uh, of the, the UK wrestling, but he was very much, you know, one of the few like non UK guys who was constantly coming over and making a home in the, uh, in the UK. Tony Storm was another one being from Australia, but coming over to the UK and being a kind of a considered a UK like star. 
Yeah, it really yeah. like for for me, I was kind of late in the uptake, but like when I figured, found out he was in WXW beforehand and went back into that. Man's just got a back catalogue of absolute bangers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely does. And we'll talk about quite a few of them in a little bit. But Chris, I know you wouldn't have got to see him really live for a long time uh, because a lot of his stuff was happening in Europe and the UK. But he did the occasional trek over to the US. He wrestled in promotions like Evolve. I believe his first time in Evolve, he was defending the Progress Atlas title and a match against Fred Yehe. But to your knowledge, Chris, where did you first experience, well, would this be when he was in WWE or did you get a chance to see him before he made his debut? I mean, as a wrestling fan in the 2010s, it was very hard to not hear about this Walter guy. And I had heard his name a bunch. I'd seen him without knowing it was him. I, saw, I just saw this big white dude chopping the hell out of people. And I was thinking to myself, who is, who is this man? Who is this mysterious man? Because all he does is chops, but it incites one hell of a reaction. So I was just wondering, who is that? Who I from a from a distance, of course, because like what you guys said, Walter really made his name overseas. So I didn't get to see him, or ha- I haven't gotten to see him in person yet. But it was um, NXT UK Takeover Blackpool, and I think what was it twenty. 19 18 and when he showed up um to confront pete dunn i thought to myself oh my god who is this man and just the reaction that that the crowd had in blackpool seeing him and just i felt like i was watching i was seeing a moment that like this is something that i should be made aware of and boy, little did I know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> like, he, he is the man, whatever you want to call him. He is, at, at that moment, we knew he was going to be a big deal in the E. He was already a big deal on the indies, and that's great. But in WWE, he was destined for stardom. And it may have taken him a while, and it may have taken a regime change and a new name. But damn, he's great. Damn, he's <laughs> super cool. He definitely is. I can't remember exactly the first time I would have saw him, but I was I was hearing more about him and more I was watching old progress and other like UK promotion matches on YouTube and I came across Falter and one of the first prominent matches I think I would see him in was randomly on a New Japan UK show where they had this is a random match to speak if you can find it. Yuji Nagata versus Walter, which is which was a hell of a hard-hitting contest, and I got to see first I what his shots like, and then I was like, I need to see more of this, of this falter. And then I'd seen a lot of matches I saw, the first of them were I'd found online, and so I remember being at the Barrowlands at Fry CW in 2018, and then it made an announcement, oh, a big name coming, going to be announced for, uh, for Shug's House Party Night 1, and it was falter, and I was like, oh, like, I know a bunch of guys got in their group at the time didn't know uh, much about him, but I was excited and then he came to ICW and he fought BT Gun, and I was annoyed at the time because I know also there'll be loyalty BT but I just I remember in ICW that match I like I don't feel like I got Phil Walter here yeah I was at that as well and it was like I was like nah they're they're definitely that's Walter holding back there um, and you know like random bangers Rev Pro 2018 against Tomohiro Ishii oh, absolutely yes. elite Oh my god, that match must have been nuts. 
It's on YouTube for free. <laughs> um, okay, I got some homework to do. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. Uh, we'll just write you a list at the end of the podcast, Chris, of just a bunch of matches to go and watch. So the next time you're on a show, we'll just ask you, how was how how was these matches? Could you give us your full report? <laughs> yeah, I'll have a whole I'll have a whole like presentation ready of my favorite uh, Walter matches. You'll come back with a Drew Gulak s PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> right, right. So it is bizarre though. I think maybe if WWE didn't come a call on when they did, I really do feel like Walter was somebody who it's 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 mad that we didn't get to see him wrestle over Japan or to go to like New Japan or Noah or whoever because. A guy his size, at least the size he was then, who hits as hard as he does, like you got to think the Japanese crowds would lap that up because they love their big foreign gaijin like monsters who can hit as hard as possible. Oh yeah, like that's like he would have been like the likes of your Jonah and stuff like that from New Japan. He would have just been someone that they brought in who would probably still have some credible losses, but would also demolish anyone he was up against. Mm-hmm. It's hard to mess him up, like you know his presentation. Like it was, he his 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 gimmick and his character was like seamlessly translated from the Indies to NXT UK to NXT. Yeah, he got a name change, but the presentation never changed. And I feel like that would have been the case anywhere he went. You got to present him that way. That's how he made his name. That's how people know him. Why change that? Mm-hmm. Keep that the way it is. Yeah, he may have gotten a new name, but he's still, you know, he's still Walter. And he's still, what the hell, like, this monster that'll cave your chest in with his hands. Like, that, any any company would have benefited from having him around. But the E just got lucky, and by lucky, I mean paid him. But <laughs> he is, he's so, he's so recognizable, and he sticks out in the crowd. He would have been successful anywhere. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. Let's get into uh, some of Butler's history here. He was born Walter Hahn in Vienna, Austria on August 20th, 1987. He, as you mentioned over his time, he has wrestled under variations of the name Walter because that is his real first name. He's also wrestled under the name Big Daddy Walter and Big Van Walter, uh, which I think is very fitting given the size of him and you could definitely compare him to a European version of Vader with the big van nickname. He would make his debut for what would go on to become his home promotion of WXW promotion. He would frequent up until, I think, even he would go there even as UK champion. I think he last match in there was around about 2019-2020. But he would make his WXW debut on May 4th, 2007 in a four-way pre-show match on the... Of that year's 16 karat gold tournament, a tournament he would go on to win a few years later. But Grant, I think we know also about Progress, ICW, Rev Pro, OTT. Like those are the main promotions that I think got a lot of attention when the UK was at its, you know, peak in the late 2010s and the boom period. But there was also a bigger, you know, growth of European wrestling at that time. And I think right at the epicenter of it, you have to say, was WXW probably thanks to the likes of Walter. Yeah, I mean that's it. He, he really like sort of like set himself apart right from the get go. And yeah, most people will know him for the things that we've mentioned, but he's got some really obscure stuff as well. Like um, I'm, I'm going to send you an absolute belter on Messenger while we're discussing this because did you know that he wrestled as Ga Chaping in Japan? 
<laughs> and his mm. his image is one will it's it's definitely different from the Volter that we know. It is vastly different. I'm still getting my head around it when every time I look at it, I just can't deal with it. Because this is how he used to. This is how he used to be, and this was back in zero one around about two thousand and seven. I've I've seen this image out there before. He looks like Augustus Gloop all grown up. Oh my does, god! Does anyone remember Bulk from Bulk and Skull and the Power Rangers? Oh my <laughs> god! Why did you say that? <laughs> That's Bulk. <laughs> That's Bulk. Oh my lord! He looks Why, like Walter. That, that singlet he's wearing looks like you've told your parent at the last minute you need a Ninja Turtles costume and this is what they've put together. <laughs> why, why is he wrestling like it's that, like he's a part of the Rockers, dude? Like, he, he looks like he's ripped out of the 80s, but this was what? 10 years ago? 12 years ago? 15 years ago. It's 15 years ago still. What the hell? What's going on here? See, I've got a little story about Walter because in my research for Walter, it does seem like he was young babyface wrestler trying to, you know, fairly unknown, and then he beat it quickly became Walter ring general, seemingly like overnight. And there was the bizarre little in between. But when he was still, you know, finding his feet, I heard a story via Nick Aldis. He did a YouTube show for the NWA, and he mentioned Walter being on a tour for Brian Dixon's UK promotion, All Star Promotions. They used to do a lot of like camp and family friendly shows. I say camp is in they wrestled at camps, not that the shows were a bit camp. But uh, basically, Brian Dixon loved everyone to have a character, and uh, he didn't know what to do with all like you don't have a character <laughs> because apparently that's how he talks. That's how everyone does impression. <laughs> it's not you don't have a character, and so Brian went through a big box of like props, and apparently didn't know a lot about the WB or what was big at the time. So he pulled out a cane mask, not knowing who Kane was, and told Walter he should wrestle in this mask. And being a young wrestler, he ended up doing it. So Walter ended up wrestling a tag match for all star promotions, wearing a cane mask. And um, to, uh, awesome. to what I'm assuming was a confused crowd to wondering, why is that man dressed as Kane? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's definitely not Kane, but little, little do we know what he'd become. <laughs> yeah, because you know, yeah, I think there's a history. I, I wasn't, a, I'm too young to probably have experienced this, but I, I hear a lot of fans in the UK of a series talking about tribute shows. And I can imagine whatever to look like in that single that you sent us, plus a KMS, is probably what a lot of acts on those old UK tribute shows probably look like with the UK Rock and the UK Undertaker. Oh my god, I really wish I was around to see that. Like, could you imagine being a kid and seeing that live? I would have lost my mind. I've heard sales of, like, there would be shows promoting the Legion of Doom. But it wasn't, like, two guys dressed as the LD. It was just one guy. He was the Legion of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> Which made me wonder, who's, whose haircut did he copy, though? Did he go for the animal mohawk or did he go for the, did he go for the hawk? Who knows? But... So it, it did seem like he's, it was a case of, oh, he doesn't have a character. But then I think his character basically came, look how big I am and I'm a good wrestler. And he, his basically love for wrestling became his character with the whole, this mat is sacred. And he would quickly become a big name in WXW, winning his first of three WXW Unified World titles on October 2nd, 2010, 
defeating Zack Sabre Jr., a man me and Grant talk about in glowing terms every every month on East Meets West. But he would also become a four-time WXW Tag Team Champion, each time winning it with a different partner. He'd win it with Robert Dresker, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Ilya Dragunov, Timothy Thatcher, and the aforementioned Zack Sabre Jr. <laughs> like, how, how great would it be to see nowadays a gunther Zack Sabre Jr. partnership? Don't care what the was, they just they would just have an absolute blast, just polar opposites, like Gunther just being calm and collected, and then whenever they lose, Zack Sabre Jr. just going off on a ramp, probably blaming Boris Johnson. And Brexit, jump, or Liz Truss. <laughs> not to jump too far ahead on on all this, but the scene in WXW from like 2010, 2015, is, or really 2017, it's just like a who's who of of talent like they're still around and these are stars in their respective promotions like wxw they had some little like again like at the time they may not have been the biggest stars on the planet but a lot of these guys are household names now in the pro wrestling world like it's crazy what the hell wxw is doing and walter was like at the centerpiece of that solely because of what he looked like and you want to talk about the star power of WXW in this time, I believe it was his first reign, could be second, I could be wrong, but one of Volter's uh, WXW world title reigns came to an end at the hands of El Generico in a match I wish I could find. And given that we all know that El Generico taught Sami Zayn everything he knows, if someone's going to yeah. bring that title from Walter and bring it to the bloodline, clearly Sami Zayn has the tools to do so. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at it. I would definitely not be mad at that either. But, Grant, in 2016, a group that would become to kind of define Walter slash Gunther, no matter what the name of the group is, in 2016, we would have the formation of of what was then known as Ringkamp, alongside Axel Dieter Jr., the future Ludwig Kaiser slash Marcel Barthel, and Timothy Thatcher. Basically, it's a case of we take this very seriously. That was our that was their mantra. Honestly, that was an absolute dream team stable because they just went anywhere they went, they just caused devastation. Plus, let's face it, if you have Timothy Thatcher in your stable, you don't want to fight them. Timothy Thatcher is one scary bastard. <laughs> yeah. I think it was a case of like he's he's maybe American, but it was a case of he is one of the few wrestlers that and Kefe Walter and Axel TG had respect for that's why he was invited kind of into the group. And he was seemingly the last one to to join WWE and I still feel a bit of sadness the fact that they never even thought about temporarily bringing him into Imperium. I know they teased it when they were feeding with Imperium were feeding with uh, Champa and Thatcher, but I would love to see would love to have seen Walter and Timothy Thatcher united and WWE, or even I would love to have seen them fight for the WWE UK title at one point. Yeah, because I mean they they had they've had a couple of matches before, and one of them was in progress, and it was an absolute slugfest. Just two big lads battering each other. Yeah, because like as a, as a group, they still weren't against you know fighting each other. You know, Walter and Thatcher had some great matches against each other. They, Walter won the Progress Atlas belt, lost it back to Matt Riddle, and then there was a three-way match. Uh, Alexander Palace 
of Thatcher, Riddle and Walter for the Atlas title in which Walter won the belt back but because uh, at the time also uh, Ring Cam made for some really solid six man uh, tag team uh, matchups including one particularly in progress which was Ring Camp versus British Strong Style Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven which basically oh God. Like five out of the six of them basically went on to be building blocks for NXT UK yeah, the UK wrestling scene, y'all were spoiled as hell over there. Because now all these guys are are running the show over here in the States. Like, they're the shit. And I know, like, Timothy Thatcher, for now, isn't in WWE. But all these guys made their presence known in the biggest wrestling company in the world. And damn, they're the shit. And just look back, like, in preparation for this, like, just looking back at Walter Slash Gunther's career. Like all the folks who he was feuding with, like they are featured on weekly TV here. Like it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah, totally. And like it does feel like every so often you're in the UK or in uh, the US, but somebody comes along every few years and it's a guy who just goes to different promotions and just keeps winning titles. And then that person ultimately gets signed and someone else comes in and that be- and takes that role. And in 2018, that was Volter's role because in 2018 alone, he won the PWG World Title from Keith Lee, where Keith Lee got signed. He won the Defiant Wrestling Internet Championship, defeating Radio Edit, and then eventually had a very notable triple threat match with said Radio Edit and Zack Sabre Jr., where he chopped Zack Sabre Jr.'s soul out of his body, a la Doctor Strange, knocking somebody's astral plane out of their own body. He also defeated Radio Edit for the Progress World title after willingly vacating the Atlas title, giving that when he was told that he wouldn't get a shot at the World title as long as he was Atlas champion. And then he also had a long run in 2018 and 2019 as OTT World Champion. We absolutely demolished uh, Jordan Devlin. Then went on to have matches with Will Ospreay and Pac for that title, even if the Pac match had to be in the DQ because Pac was Dragon Gate champion and couldn't be pinned. But that's three... Companies there, three of three of those four titles are like world championships. It's a case of like Volter comes in, and you really have no choice but to immediately book him as a top guy because you look at the size and you think like this is a guy who shouldn't be chasing. This is a guy who should win the title and have people chase him. Yeah, everywhere he went, it's just he was a presence. And yeah, like you mentioned the pack match, that one stands out in my mind because Pack broke his finger in the middle of the match and just popped it back in like it was nothing. <laughs> That's a big fuck you, Sinkara. Famously stopped the match because he had a broken finger. <laughs> like, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier about uh, his presentation. Like, everywhere he went, he was the man. And like, and at the like now he's he's all like leaned up, but still has this big presence. At the time, he was like he was a bigger dude, and. It, it was hard to miss him. And even if you tried to not look at him or not try to or tried not to acknowledge him, he, you heard the chops that became so synonymous with his career. And it was disgusting. And just watching like the reins that he's had through multiple different promotions. Like, like there's again, whenever Walter found out what the right formula was. Like, he's going to ride that for the rest of his career. Whenever he chooses to stop, 
it's it's gonna be the same shit, but it's gonna be the best. It's gonna be so rad. Like no one's complaining. No one's complaining that he's had the same presentation for years because it's that good and he's that good at it. And he, the folks that he has along with him, they also benefit from just being in his presence. You know, I would have no idea who Marcel Barthel was without <laughs> Walter, you know, or Ludwig Kaiser, you know, any of these folks. Like I, it's nuts. I, I really can't fathom watching what he was doing in the Indies just to see where he is now. Like, damn, like fucking uh, Grant just mentioned not too long ago that you've seen him like in person. Like that's nuts to me. Like I'm Jones and they go see him in person. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. Like seeing him live for the first time, then meeting him at merch. And uh, on that same card was just when Ilya Dragunov had started to appear in progress, leading up to a big match with Pete Dunne. So it was just like a who's who of big talent at that time. Right. It was unreal. I remember Ross and Ryan in twenty nineteen, I say, uh, before Volter was on his way to unifying the I think he'd already unified the Atlas belt with the progress belt, but there was a show in Newcastle that Ross and Ryan were gonna go to ultimately because car Ryan's car broke down or whatever, they weren't able to go. And I believe on that show the main event was Falter defending against Eddie Kingston. My god. <laughs> oh, well, I wouldn't give to let, see that nowadays. Let, let's not forget the infamous GCW match with PCO. Oh, how did I forget that? Yeah, I think a lot of people took, not just notice of Gunther, but I think they took a lot of notice of PCO as well. I think this is where he truly started his kind of career renaissance that he's been on. You know, going, then getting that deal with Ring of Honor, winning that title, now he's in our No More and Impact. But just like the how purple his chest was and I remember chanting to PCO when I did that interview with him in 2019. He was kind of casual, but like, yeah, basically, I've always had a higher tolerance for pains. I just told Wally, you did the chops, like, just just keep chopping me. Basically, I can take it. And, like, that image, I think, was, like, everywhere, because that was, like, WrestleMania weekend 2018. And so, like, obviously, everybody was wondering what match and these, all these, all these indie shows is going to steal the weekend. And I think that, without a doubt, was one of the most talked about matches of that weekend. Oh yeah, that was totally like it. It was just unreal. Just mm-hmm. it, it's like getting that that sort of spot. Like it was already pretty well known, but that I'd say was a big pivotal moment in getting them the big recognition. And like with these title reigns, I said in twenty eighteen, he defended them in some major shows, like the Progress title. He and Tyler Bay before they had that epic match in Cardiff. They had a match at Progress's Wembley show for the title, which. Ball came out on top of. He then unified the belt with the the Atlas Tail defeating uh, Trent Seven before ultimately losing the titles to I believe it was Eddie Dennis. He did this long feud and this build to Jordan Devlin winning the belt back from an OTT, and he lost the progr- the PWG title to Jeff Cobb. This is Jeff Cobb was suddenly becoming a bigger name on the Indies. So, like it goes back to what Chris was saying earlier on. Like the, you were, it goes back to what you were saying earlier on, Chris, about like basically. He was going up against a who's who of opponents, and I think that's why so quickly after he won all these belts and like Keith Lee and that, that WWE quickly came calling for him, especially given that he was a big name in the UK and they were getting set to launch a UK brand. Yeah. And also what's funny is the way he lost the the Defiant Internet belt, he lost it to Martin Kirby, who covered himself in bubble wrap to protect himself from Walter's chops. <laughs> that's <laughs> genius. 
Martin Kirby, secretly the smartest man in wrestling. But then we get to end of 2018, the rumblings have started that Volta has signed the WWE. He's primarily going to be part of the UK brand because he doesn't want to move over to the US. Uh, I I can say that I was lucky enough to be at XT TakeOver Blackpool. The first one, me, Ross, Gary and Sarah all went down. Gary took his daughter Lucy down as well. And no, I be, I mainly went because I was convinced Joe Coffey was going to win the title, so I wanted to be there when when Pete Dunne's record then record setting reign loss uh, was broken, and so we sat there. And then there was all the rubbish people were asking, like when Jordan Dem was in the ring, people thought, "Oh, is Gunther going to come out?" But then it turned out to be Finn Balor, which also got a big reaction. So then the show was ending, and then when that music hit, because his music. It's basically royalty free, so WWE could use it with no issue, even though they've they've now changed it, but they could use it if they want to do the familiar. Given the size of it, pretty much you may as well just start playing the Jaws theme because that's <laughs> like he went through what was the biggest boss for the first few months of NXT UK of Joe Coffey, now an even bigger boss to come out. Like quite gone Jen once said in the Phantom Menace, there is always a bigger fish. And out came Volter and just the way that Nigel McGuinness sold it. Like how the big arrival of Walter and the serious moment basically him squaring up to to Pete Dunn and just he's saying like you're I'm gonna be the one to take that belt from you. I mean, Chris, even like you said, like if you're watching this and you're not as familiar with his work, you like by his presentation, you know he's a big deal. And the crowd's reaction, like y'all at the show, you know, like it was this grand it was like this welcome. Like, holy shit, like shit just got real <laughs> watching the TV. And again, I'd heard of him. I'd seen his chops online on Reddit, on Twitter. It was hard to not be a wrestling fan and or be a wrestling fan and not see him. But I didn't fully comprehend what was going on until I heard the reaction. Folks were acting like Stone Cold just came back. But really... It was Walter just making his presence known in un, under the WWE banner and sizing himself up to Pete Dunne, who was a monster in NXT slash NXT UK. And Walter shows up. He's like, no, this is my domain now. And that was the case for a very, very long time. I, I mean... Recognizing the music, I had that proper, like, you put your head in your hands, you're like, oh my god, like, you know what's about to, to happen. But god, as much agree as a moment as it was, some people did have to take the fun out of this moment just by reminding us that Volter stood in front of the L and his name on the Titantron. So there was just a big letter behind him, water, and people, what <laughs> <laughs> wrestler guaranteed to quench your first water? It's important. You need it. You need water. <laughs> I mean, it was Walter. He was up there with big ass. I mean, big cass. Let's not forget that. But, Grant, what was your reaction to seeing Gunther now in the WWE ring? I, I lost my mind. I, I was just, I was actually sitting at home watching it live on the network in the living room, a few beers in. Parents got home with my aunt and uncle and they were like, what are you? I was like, I was like this is only at the end. It's like, it's okay, it's okay. Then as soon as Walter's music kicked in, I scared the shit out of everyone because I fucking jumped out of the chair and screamed so loud I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was a real symbol symbolism. I think it was a real symbolism about how 
much of a changing in the guard of NXT was a bit hard at that point. Because Joe Coffey tries to get back in the ring after just wrestling Peter for nigh on 30 minutes. And Walter just puts him right in the fucking face. It's like, like no. <laughs> no. I'm ring right now. Which I know a lot. I know there were some Scottish fans who were annoyed about that, but I didn't mind it so much. But I think if you weren't as aware of these chops yet, as a WWE fan, you were made aware the very next night at the next taping because poor Jack Stars, this poor little Matt boy who just wanted an opportunity to wrestle, gets put against Walter, and one chop leaves this giant handprint on his chest. Like, have you ever seen a clip from one of Bruce Lee's last movies? He fights Kareem Abdul Javar in that film and he gets booted in the chest and has a giant footprint on his chest. And that's what this reminded me of when I saw the photos going around of Jack Stars and just a clip of the the sound like Magic and it's often described as like a gunshot had gone off and I, I think that's the best comparison you can make. Oh the sound. This this uh, the first time you ever hear a Volter chop live is actually pretty horrific sound, and you're just like, oh, oh, I felt that. <laughs> you feel it through the television, you know. You don't, just make sure you don't have one of those like 4D televisions. You'll really feel like his hand just reach through and slap you. And what did you say that guy's name was? Jack Stars. Yes, like, with a Z because he's cool. Like that. That is gonna. Fall. That's your career, dog. You're the first guy to get shopped by Walter in WWE. And that that is that's your claim that, that will be following you for the rest of your life. But that's a hell of a hell of a accolade to have. Like you're Walter's first chop in WWE and you have a scar from a chop to the chest. I bet I bet like his chest looks like Kofi Kingston now, you know? All caved in. <laughs> They'll be, he'll be telling his grandchildren and using them. So gather around children. Would you like to know how Granddaddy got this mark on his chest? He faced up to a giant man named Volter. Did you win? No. No, I didn't. No. <laughs> but really, us as a family, we won. Because look, the mark passed from me to you. Because I was chopped that hard. <laughs> oh my god. It's, it's, it's hereditary. It's for the rest of his life. Oh no, that's horrible. It's like one of those things that's like, I'm going to chop you so hard your grandkids are going to feel like, no, they're not. Three generations <laughs> later, little, little Jack, Jack, Jack Jr. Jr. has been born with a handprint on his chest. Like, that's not right. Yeah, that ain't right. Oh, poor kid. It's not even real, and I'm, I feel bad for him. But. Very quickly, I felt like, like this match needs to happen at the soonest possible moment. And the next biggest show was going to be that WrestleMania weekend, uh, 2019 NXT Takeover New York, Walter versus Pete Dunne. And you know, a lot of people may have been annoyed with this, given how long Pete Dunne had held the belt and everything not happening on UK soil. I mean, I was I wasn't against it for a couple of reasons. One, it was like you know, it still feels like a big match. It's on. The fact they're putting on a US takeover means they know it's a big deal. In fact, it's on WrestleMania weekend, so a lot of eyes will be on it. And selfishly, the next NXT UK tapings after that takeover were going to be in Glasgow, and I was going to be at them, so I figured, oh good, I'll get to see the rematch live. And I did. Well, uh, I was there at that one, because Rhea Ripley was like still around NXT UK at that point as well, and it's when she'd kind of like turned proper goth. 
<laughs> there was a slow transformation. Like she showed up a little bit goth. She's been at her first festival when she came back for the second Mae Young Classic, and then just slowly but surely she's made this transformation. By the time she got to the main roster before she joined Judgment Day, she was she had reached her final goth form. Her final goth form, her best form, if I say so but, myself. I mean, if you ask Dominic Mysterio, then yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, Dom. More like sub, am I right? <laughs> Giggity. <laughs> but, but Walter, back to Walter. Yeah, back to Walter. What did you guys think of, well, one, this match being on a US takeover and you know the, the choice of, of Walter to be the one who beat Pete Dale go to you first, Grant? I honestly, I would have loved the win to have came in the UK, but at the same time, just the recognition and the NXT UK belt at that point still felt very prestigious because, like, what Pete Dunne was only the second champion between the first two champions alone. You had like what two years worth of of reigns, and then Volter came in and made his impact and continued another long reign. It really made it feel like a different belt to whatever else. WWE had on at the time. Yeah, and uh, what about you, Chris? Uh, honestly, I know a lot of your exposure to like, the UK brand probably was when they were appearing on an NXT, but you know, this still felt like a big match going into it. Oh, one thousand percent. And my fascination with NXT UK, like, was at its peak around this time because I had gotten to see Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne wrestle each other. And I, again, didn't know who those guys were at NXT TakeOver Chicago. And I watched that match. Like, this match is nuts. Both these guys are legit. And Pete Dunne, to me, like, the Bruiserweight was just the shit. And when he had this 600-plus-day reign, like, this guy's unstoppable. Who the hell's going to beat him? Walter shows up. Oh, shit. That guy's going to beat him. And, of course, like... Yeah, the issue at the time with NXT was that, you know, they were really spot they spotlighted the NXT UK belt. It was just at US takeovers. And I I guess that was just a product of, of the time. And you know, they had I feel like they had a takeover every month, it felt like, because how big of a deal NXT was and how it was presented. But that match bangs. Like I remember watching that match, like this is insane watching these two go at each other. And it was like watching, like that that match didn't main event, but it damn near should have, or it could have, you know? And it's, oh my God. Like, I remember watching that first Walter match. Like, I get the, I buy the hype now. I get it. <laughs> and it was a mistake. It was, the, it was not a mistake. And it was the best decision at the time for them to do. I told Walter's the shit, and if I didn't know that beforehand, I knew that then when that match was over. I mean, it did feel like kind of running of options, like they bringing him in, and like he kind of had to win the title because Pete Dunne had beaten pretty much everyone else that there was to beat NXT UK at that time. And like I remember raving about this match at the time and how much I loved it, and I loved the way they did the finish because like it really. He was hitting Walter as big, as big a threat as he, Peter had ever faced. He beat down was getting desperate points in this match. He, he takes a power bomb off the middle rope and then a tight splash from Walter pre the uh, pre shredded Walter does a big splash off the top rope. 
and flattened Pete Dunne and ends his 685-day reign as champion, to which Walter takes the title and thought, huh, I'll see your 685 days and absolutely fucking smash it because <laughs> one belt for 870 days, the longest probably reign of like, any WWE title, whatever, it's got to be up there in WWE history and Walter will hold on to that, that title. And I got to see him wrestle in the UK and Glasgow uh, to an eight taping against Pete Dunne, but also in this time, Pete Dunne and Walter a rematch were, was featured on a WWE live tour of the UK because after WrestleMania as usual when they go over to the UK. And I looked up a series of, of house shows uh, online and there's like just says Pete Dunne v Walter, Pete Dunne v Walter, Pete Dunne v Walter. And then just this random house show right in the middle of the tour in Bournemouth where randomly for one night it was Walter defeating an untitled match, R-Truth. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I like, bet no. the crowd popped loud as hell for that. Holy shit. Imagine you're a big fan of Walter and Pete Dunne of that magic team where you hear that other shows in the UK it's been held and uh, it's been held uh, on these shows. Like, oh good, I'll get to see that when I go to the WWE Live Tour. And you go to the tour, you see our trick and you're like, right, our trick is probably some sort of comedy match. And then hear Vaulted music out, like, what? Oh my what? god. That, that moment must have been nuts. And a quick thing before we continue. I was wondering what main evented that, that takeover, that New York takeover. And it was Gargano Cole, two out of the three falls match, where Gargano won the NXT championship. Now I understand why that couldn't make an event because that match also bangs. But yeah. um, Walter Pete Dunn, God, that match is so good. I mean, for me, New Orleans is probably the best takeover, but I think the following year of May takeover with Takeover New York is like very, very good. It's, it's a stacked card. Like looking at the card right now, it's very stacked. Even though, again, somebody we can't talk about retaining the North America title on that show, but. Moving back I don't want to, to talk Walter. about it. Walter, he take the belt to Glasgow, defend it against Pete Dunn, and retain it thanks to a little team they'd been forming on XT UK, a team of then Fabian Eichner and then Marcel Barthel, who reformed a new version of the, of Ring Camp, now known as Imperium. And I was lucky to see on the second night of that taping a six man tag team match between them and very strong style, which led to the reveal of another member of Imperium, this time the then Alexander Wolf. And genuinely, I remember being in the crowd, and I hear people around me, people genuinely thought that the man under the hood was going to be Timothy Thatcher. And this was before Thatcher had even signed, but there were people that team who genuinely thought the man under the hood was going to be Thatcher. How disappointed were they? <laughs> I mean, it made sense, but like, I was shocked at the time because like, Sanity had just kind of fizzled out just then I then Ross. I didn't I knew Eric Young had been moved to Rob. I didn't know what any of the other two were doing. Uh so to see Alexandra Wolf just suddenly show up in NXT UK alongside Volter was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, and I mean he's it, he was always like the odd man out. And I mean that's for now that's the case. As of this recording, he's the one member of Imperium that isn't on WWE TV right now so it was it was a little weird but it, it made sense at the time I guess I didn't hate it 
Yeah, yeah, I think it was it was good for her at that time. You know, have a proper like four man unit, you know, dominate NXT UK for a little bit, and they kind of did run Russia as Volter to retain the title against Radio Edit. You uh, would have that match that we talked about wrestling mixtape. I'll mention it here again. The five and a bit star classic that we talked about on the UK uh, quiz showdown a wee while ago. Volter versus Tyler Bate in Cardiff, 40 plus minutes of just absolute sensational wrestling. Like, I know, obviously, takeovers are known for like their quality, and like, NXT UK, Taylor Cardiff was, it takes the UK Blackpool, the first one was good. But I, I think we can, even though I was there live, I can definitely admit that what, sitting live and watching the Cardiff one, Cardiff fucking blew them out of the water, and as good as the, the two of them are, I don't think anyone was prepared for how good Volta versus Bait was going to be in Cardiff. Yeah, they, they put on something special. I mean, like when it was Volter v's Bait back at the Progress Wembley show, I was there for that as well, and it blew that out of the water. Yeah, Tyler Bait is another one of those, another one of those UK guys that came over and just absolutely stole my heart when I first saw him wrestle, and the anticipation that I felt, like, holy shit, this immovable object and, like, the ultimate underdog, at least to me, right, like this David and Goliath type thing. I had no prior context of what Tyler Bay had done against Walter before. I watched this match, and it is, of course, another barn burner. They, they bring the damn house down. But Walter, again, this unstoppable being... Like he, like what you said, Ross, or not Ross, you're Scott. Um, this whole thing is like this is this 800 day reign, right? And he is just plowing through all these folks, but they're all great matches. That's the thing. He's not just this monster that is, you know, beating the shit out of his opponents. These matches are genuinely compelling, and they invoke they evoke emotion. And I think that's the best part of Walter's, um, like w- like when you watch Walter's matches. Like, yeah, it's fun watching big man chop small boy, but it's 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 deeper than that. And I think that's what brought me or like why I started being so invested in Walter's matches. Yeah, and. I, I told them this a lot in the rest of the mixtape. Uh, he, he got five and a quarter stars from Meltzer, which was a big deal at the time because early, early in the year, they'd had a cold ground that you mentioned, Chris, also cracked that five star skill. So it was rare to see that happen on a WWE branded show. But from there, they kind of ended the British Strong Style era almost the date of NXT UK because Pete Dunn was kind of gone from the brand. Dunn, uh, Dunn and uh, Seven would hang around after that for a fair while until the brand's end. But Imperium would go and he'd continue to dominate. Uh, Joe Coffey would again in Blackpool try to win the title but lose to Walter. But well, all people that Blackpool was trying to set up a world place. Ultimate NXT brand warfare faction played and we had Imperium versus the Undisputed Era, which was almost marred by the fact that Alexander Wolf, I believe it was, just about knocked himself out right like ten minutes in, less than five minutes in. Yeah, I mean that was that that, that was uh, let, let's face it, dream matches, undisputed era against Imper- Imperium. That is a definition dream match, and it was just beautiful. I mean, 
that's like any like undisputed era also having a dream match against British Strong Style before as well. Those kind of three trios are just up there for unreal quality of matches, and you put any combination of them together, you're going to get magic. Yeah, I think they got like the some of the biggest reactions. Them and must have spent on that night for World Sky got some of the biggest reactions out of all the NXT UK guys because. At the time, the lot of WWE fans probably didn't know him. It was very heartbreaking in the opening match of that show. You see Ilya Dragunov come out to absolute crickets for his match with Balor. And like, you had the build-up angle on NXT where Adam Cole goes to kick Walter, Walter grabs him and he chops him so hard he nearly flips the guy like 360 degrees. Like, it's very fitting that Nigel Ginesu is yelling at the time, get ready for the fireworks! Because the chop that he made sounds like a fucking firework going off. And Imperium suddenly becoming the baby phase, having to battle back from 43 disadvantage. Walter gets taken out, only to come back like the bear from the Revenant and just tears. <laughs> and you know what? It filled me with a lot of pride to see Imperium win, I won't lie. Probably because I knew, part of me knew that it made David Hockney very sad. It's crazy how they made me give a shit about an eight man tag. <laughs> Like, eight-man tag, at least in WWE, like, for the longest time, they were just used to, let's get all these guys in the same ring, have them wrestle for a little bit. But they went on for a very long time. And again, the match was great. And plus, like, the eight guys involved, like, they were on fire. Imperium was on fire. Undisputed Era was, like, my favorite thing in wrestling at the time. And, like, they, they were the shit. Was, like, I was a little bit torn, of course. I was going to side more towards Undisputed Era, but I couldn't be mad at Imperium. Like They were they were, and still are, again, I have to jump ahead too much, they still are this shit. Like, they, they, that faction rules. And I, I kind of want bigger, more and bigger things out of them. Yeah, and we need to go talk about the match... That will never, that seemingly will never be, and the takeover that will never be, as we were supposed to have NXT UK takeover Dublin in April, and it was meant to be certainly Balor versus Falter for the UK title. And you know what? I, I, I even know it. I think Barmy still believes it, that if it had actually went ahead, they probably would have had Balor beat Walter for that for that title, given how big of a name Balor was going back to NXT. How mm-hmm. much. People would you know associate him with that NXT championship. He has more combined days with the NXT title than anybody. I really think he would have won that. But like many other things, Grant, we were all of it thanks to that bloody pandemic. I know. I was so looking forward to that. I was like, yeah, I'm ready for it. Give me the dream match. Give me the absolute brutality. No, COVID says no. Absolute <laughs> bastard. COVID says no. Oh. What do you think, Chris? Do you think they would have seriously considered putting the UK title on a Ben Balor? Oh, I mean, considering it, I I one hundred percent thought like think they would have, because again, like it's Finn Balor. You could take like he was doing like Finn Balor going back to NXT. The times that he has, um, like, have been nothing but stellar. And like and like Finn Balor, NXT Finn Balor is I think one of the best wrestlers of the past decade. Like if I were to just pinpoint Finn Balor in NXT, he is the man. 
And at the time, like Balor and Walter, holy shit, I want to see that. I want to see that now, to be frank, especially where both those characters are at at this moment. I want to see that. And just to think at the time, like robbed is the word to use. Like that's a match that at the time would have banged. But that damn Pandy had to get in the way. <laughs> and hope I mean now uh, the NXT UK belt is um is yeah, but you can still you can still find a way to make this happen, right? Right. Yeah. I mean we could have judgment day VP of nowadays, but I also Holy don't think shit. I also don't think Dom and Gunther can be in the same place at the same time for too much too long because they look too similar hairstyle wise. I think the same place for too long, the entire universe will, unf- will fold in on itself. That's cute of you to think that Dom would be in the match. It would totally be Gunther, Kaiser, Vinci versus Balor, Priest, Ripley. I would watch that shit in a heartbeat. Like, like Rio would be down to take a chop from Walter. <laughs> She'd be down. I don't like, say, believe that. I talked about it on Central recently, how, like, yo, if we're going to start having intergender matches, Ripley's going to be the first one to do it. And imagine Walter stepping up to Ripley, Ripley stepping up to Walter, and chop. That'd be so damn hard. I'd love that. That, sell, that sells T-shirts. That sells tickets. Heart, like, do it. Just do it. Do it, WWE, you cowards. Do it. Shit, we we can't we kind of went past it, but Walter did have some exposure on the main roster, but it didn't quite go the way we would have thought, as he was the first man eliminated in the five on five on five NXT versus SmackDown versus Raw men's Survivor Series match when he was eliminated very quickly with a Claymore kick by by Drew McIntyre. So uh, Drew McIntyre can technically say he is the first man to pin Walter in WWE. Look, okay. I remember that five on five on five in Chicago. I was supposed to be at that show, but I wasn't. And I'm glad I wasn't because that shit turned the crowd so fast on the, on the broadcast. Now, luckily for WWE, Roman Reigns and Keith Lee had a hell of a sequence towards the end of that match that kind of saved everything. Uh, even though that match was a booking disaster. Having Walter the first one to go was a crime. Crime. I will never forgive them for that. But luckily, I forgot about it until doing research for this. And I'm going to forget about it again the second we're done with this. Because that doesn't exist in my head canon. No. That match didn't happen. Mm-mm. It was a very interesting lineup, Frankie, because I remember at the time. No, also it's different looking at it nowadays, but at the time they hadn't really found what they, they didn't really know what they wanted to do yet with Damian Priest. And like legit when they were announcing the NXT men's team, they go, Damian Priest, they're like, Damian Priest, like of all the people you could have picked, you picked Damian Priest at the time. And at the time I was like, Why couldn't Damian Priest go out first? But then the right. year later, <laughs> yeah, like, what the hell? Year later he became the guy who jumps into hot tub with his leather pants still on. I like I kinda like this guy now. <laughs> No, Damien Priest, yeah, he's rad. But at the time, it's like, what the fuck? Uh, but then the pandemic robbed us of seeing Walter wrestle for a, quite a while until the return in the BT, in the BT studios where 
Ilya Dragunov, the next challenger to Walter, would pin Walter in a tag team match, taking the first person in the UK brand to pin Walter. And then that led to another five-star match. Walter's had a couple of five-star matches, and I'll mention all of them. But the empty arena five-star match between Walter and Dragunov, like, um, in 20, late 2020, I think a lot of people probably didn't care about NXT UK. This, it shows you how good this match was. Everybody, at, for a little while, was talking about NXT UK match. Everyone was like, you have to see this match. Okay, I'll go to you first. Just, you know, I'm sure there are people who have seen them before who experienced this kind of match before, but like, I think in terms of the violence level, it was not what a lot of WWE fans were used to. Absolutely. Unreal. Five star. And I don't know, but do you feel that like the empty arena made it more horrific sound than when every chop landed? Yeah, it was one of the few matches of that, that era that actually helped. Now, there were very there were a few moments during the empty arena period before the Thunderdome. I thought this actually is good without crowds. Like the early part of the Orton Edge feud before WrestleMania, that border match was helped by the lack of crowd. And I think this, like as much as like a big match feel, you would have thought this needs a crowd. And the second match did have a crowd, but like they said, it just made you. Like feel every blow all the more. Oh, it was unreal! The actual sound just uncomfortable. The empty arena was totally like the third was like the the third person in that match, right? Like because it it was the atmosphere and the lack of one that amplified the match because it was just those two, like nothing nothing else, and it was. It was stellar, and this is the first time I really got to see um, Yusha Dragunov uh, wrestle like that. I'd heard of him a bunch, and like, I'd heard of his potential, and like I'd seen him in matches before, but I didn't know who he was. If it makes any sense. But then this match happened. I'm like, oh shit! Like this is gonna like he's also another one of those guys that will beat the shit out of you. And, like, again, Walter makes these dudes look so damn good while also being that, that monster. Like, he's the shit. And all, all, those, all those NXT UK guys, all the ones that made the transition now, except after the, you know, the weirdness that went out of NXT UK, they kept the ones that are just the best. They're the shit. And Dragunov's one of them. Yeah, I'm really glad he, that he's still a part of uh, the brand, and it looks like he's going to the title team. But uh, while while they prepare Dragon off the rematch, Gunther uh, would have, and in the words of somebody who we'll talk about a match with his, but he had banger after banger after banger because after this, he would defend the title against A Kid, Tommaso Ciampa, Rampage Brown, who would be appear more the US NXT, which led to rumors of. And maybe changing his mind and wanting to move over to the US, which does seem to correlate with you no know, beginnings of his relationship with Jenny potentially being a reason as to why he moved over. But then we go on to NXT, NXT TakeOver 36, the last black and gold NXT TakeOver, uh, where Julia Dragunov in a five and a half star match from Dave Meltzer won the NXT UK Championship 
by making Walter tap out of all things. Like, I said it before. No saw that coming. <laughs> I said it before, I'll say it again. Like, Walter is... Like, his his matches... Look, like, if you look at the matchups, his matches should not be as good as they are. You know, from, like, no context, bring in an outsider. Like, look at these two guys. Who do you think is going to win? And how do you think this is going to pan out? And Walter... It, they're just great stories to tell within these matches and dropping the belt after almost 900 days of being champion. Holy shit. Like, yeah, historic's the right word for it. And while Roman Reigns is currently uh, threatening that with how he's being booked, um, it's, it's nuts. And it, it'll be something that I hope, WWE acknowledges for a very, very long time. Yeah, I mean, if you need an opponent for the Rumble, I don't care if he's still the IC champion, put Gunther against Roman Reigns and take back Gunther's record for the feud. Something like that, I think, would be really cool. But I think it it was important to have this match at that time because a lot of people were down in XT because we were getting ready for the rebrand and the 2.0, the SummerSlam was the day before the takeover, and they got some mixed reviews, so I think it was important for everybody to forget what was going on and what they hated about WWE at the time. I just talked about how great this match was, because I don't think, you mentioned the stories there, Chris, and I think a lot of people forget that Walter isn't just like great matches, you know, and hard like jots, like, he he's very underrated in how he tells stories primarily just through wrestling, not as, maybe not so much through promos and everything, but he tells stories through his matches and I yep. think you know not a lot of people really realize that like it's it's all these like all these WWE ones maybe like it's big obviously it's because it's the one with the most uh spotlight and a lot of the ones that I've seen out of his work but they're all good like his one-on-one matches let me preface that I don't want to acknowledge again that bullshit survivor series stuff but his one-on-one matches, especially during that title reign that he had, like it was, it was batshit, and it was like this different type of wrestling that I hadn't been exposed to yet, and it was just like this immediate appreciation it made me like it changed the way that I looked at, um, and it, like that style of wrestling, and like damn it, it's. I mean, I'm glad it's still around. I'm glad he's still around. And it's this big deal now, like, especially since UK wrestling's blown up over the last decade. But damn, Walter is like the poster boy for that shit. And now, we need to talk about it. We've been calling him two different names this whole show. So let's talk about it. He starts appearing more alongside Imperium on the US NXT. I believe it's after a match against Roderick Strong where Walter gets on the mic and declares, no, the winner of this match is not Walter. The winner of this match is Gunther. And then it was just left there for another week until he explained why he was called Gunther the following week. But in the lead up to this reveal, rumours were going around that WWE had trademarked the name Gunther Stark. And this was meant to be the full name that Gunther was going to go by because they didn't want him going by Walter because that was his real name. They wanted to have a name they could own. Quickly, before 
quickly before anything could further happen with his name on TV, quickly dropped the Stark aspect of it because apparently nobody did their research and Gunther Stark was apparently a very high-ranking Nazi officer. And putting that, that, giving that name to a large Austrian man uh, probably who hangs around with a German and an Italian probably wasn't the right idea. So they quickly just called him Gunther and they had him explain later on that it was to do with... They, they, they gave a great... They gave a decent attempt to make a backstory, you know, as it being his family name, and this was the name he was now going to go by. But I think, despite the fact, Grant, that I, I said before, like since then, like more, he, he, that was around the time he started losing weight, and he's kept that up, and he's looking great nowadays. But through this, for the remainder of his XT win, and now going to SmackDown, he looks like Walter, talks like Walter, sounds like Walter, wrestles like Walter. He just happens to be called Gunther. So that you know. At the time, especially, a lot of people were just absolutely like, no, absolutely not. How could they do this? I'm I'm still raging about the name change. I still don't like it, but at the end of the day, he is still the same wrestler that I love. Absolutely chopping people for fun. And really, in particular, the last few months when Triple H just came into things has really found his way back into my heart with some fantastic feuding and matches. I didn't hate it. I I didn't I didn't hate the name change, and again, maybe it's because I haven't gotten I didn't spend like too much time with with Walter as he as he uh, as he stood. But like what you said, Grant, he was especially recently uh, with Triple H, uh, with Daddy H being a part of the NXT creative. Um, the Gunther of it all, I feel like it's a matter of time before he's back to Walter, especially with all like we're getting a bunch of the NXT folks back. Like it's it's a matter of time. Um, he he didn't change as a character, and that's what matters. This was around about a weird time for name change. We had this, we had Kaylee Ray become an Alba Fire, and that's we had dumb. we had the what I'll call the Butch incident. And I think a lot of people tarred the Butch and Gunther with the same brush, but I really think, like I said, like if he has the same name but does everything else that you enjoy about him and acts the same way, and it's basically the same character with a different name, then I don't think it's a big an issue. What should what was an issue is taking one of Volter's big opponents from NXT UK, one of the top NXT UK names, and making him act like an extra from Oliver. So <laughs> yeah, transition seemingly that we're seeing so far from Butch Turning more, only turning back into Pete Dunne. I'm I'm welcoming at the minute uh, with this whole Imperium brawling brutes thing. But Walter started kind of you know losing his weight. He had some great matches. He had Imperium versus Diamond Mine. We had him taking on Solo Sokoa, and he fought LA Knight, uh, NXT Takeover Stand and Deliver uh, before randomly being thrown on TV with a little build on TV the right after WrestleMania. He lost to Braun Breaker in a UK title match, which clearly says we would rather have this on a big stage, but we really need Gunther on the main roster. So let's just get it done now, because considering the, the takeover following that, they may have entered it with, with Braun Breaker versus fucking Joe Gacy. You know, <laughs> I would rather have seen a takeover highlight headlined by a bloody Gunther versus Braun Breaker than anything else. But you know, that's what happened at the time. So he rounded out his NXT. 
run. And then he appears on the main roster alongside now known as Ludwig Kaiser, which is another name change that people don't like, and I, I understand far less, but uh, yeah, it did seem like it was just kind of out of nowhere. Just ran mad. Here's Ludwig Kaiser, now he's introducing Walter or Gunther. See, going back to the Butch thing, right? Like, that was something that bothered me because the character obviously had changed. The presentation was different. And to a degree now, he's still, you know, that Butch that Vince McMahon had co-signed. But again, with Papa H being in charge, um, he's slowly reverting back to being Pete Dunne, the bruiserweight. And the Ludwig Kaiser thing, yeah, weird. Not the biggest fan of the name, but once the whole Imperium of it all really uh, came back into fruition, and um, like the the entrance again, not to get too far ahead, but at Clash of the Castle, like that was rad. Like I thought that was very cool, and it reminded me, like, yeah, these folks had different names. But they're the same people and are essentially the same characters that they were before. We're just calling them different stuff. At the end of the day, it's still Walter. It's still Marcel Barthel. And the rest is history. But Papa H could easily change that tomorrow if he wanted to. (laughs) Sometimes name changes do work. I mean, look at when I changed Stephen's name in the group chat to get to a PH. I improved upon it. He might have been resistant at first, <laughs> but it's Stephen with a PH. And now we have Gary's eat, sleep, suplex, retweet. <laughs> People resisted, but look at the magic harmony that we have going now. It's yes. Gary's world. We just live in it, to be honest. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But what do we think of some of the other changes they made? And that's in Gunther's uh, entrance music. I mean, I remember he, came, he came out first in that red jacket, which I remember looking at like, I want that jacket. <laughs> it looks it, like a it was hot, wasn't it? <laughs> but then they got this new music, which basically so a quite somewhat choir to sing Gunther Daringen. <laughs> basically <laughs> announcing to you, this is who's coming, and he's here to fuck shit up. I'm and I'm 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 here for it, man. I'm I'm here for it. I don't mind it. Hey, good. Chris has talked a lot about you know. The Papa H being involved, I think Gunther should be proud of that because the report came out not too long ago that uh, well, because they were unhappy with the Brandon appearance on Raw on the July 4th episode of Raw uh, when when he beat up R-Truth, who was dressed as Uncle Sam, there was plans to bury Gunther before things changed backstage. So uh, basically Vince being ousted could not come at a better time for Gunther. Yeah, like that's it. It's an absolute beautiful save and what he's doing he's doing the lord's work he has given us the goods i cannot get enough of it i'll let this ic title reign continue because the belt's meaning something to me again it feels important it feels like it's getting proper good defenses yeah i think gunther before he's before losing the weight that he's lost in in a previous kind of regime him coming up to the main roster would have been an idea that filled a lot of fans of his with kind of dread. Like, how quickly he went from being up enhancement talent and beating up Drew Gulak to suddenly he's challenging Ricochet for the Intercontinental title and winning it. 
he's we talked about Doms and subs treating buddy poor Ludwig Kaiser like a like a sub because every time he lost he was he'd punish him by hitting him with chops and then one time going like no 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 I'm not gonna chop you know and then he did it anyway. <laughs> he needed to learn. Failure is not tolerated. And and also Grant, you talk about like kind of helping revitalize people, make you care about them, you know, also helping restore the lineage to the IC tell the same way Blashley's doing with the US bill over on Raw, but then they they made you care about bloody Shinsuke Nakamura again because then Nakamura got a proper featured match against Gunther. It would be nice if it was on pay per view, but that SmackDown match between Gunther and Shinsuke. I mean what a match. Oh god, yeah, actually just letting them like this is where I feel the big influence, like this is where Gunther, I think, under the Vince regime would have struggled because he is a wrestler's wrestler. Whereas under Triple H, he's pretty much getting the instruction go smash. It's, it's essentially Captain America to Hulk. Smash. <laughs> I couldn't have put it better, but Chris, you know, this restoring of the lineage to the IC title really continued at Clash at the Castle because this was the first time that title had been defended on pay per view since WrestleMania 37, night two, and the Nigerian drum match between Apollo and Big E when Gunther and Sheamus had another banger uh, and another match that has been rated five stars and a match that I think everyone can agree solely show a clash at the castle, but also gave us back Giovanni Vinci as part of Imperium. Yo, I was shocked when Giovanni Vinci showed up and they kept his name Giovanni Vinci. That was rad, A. And B, that match fucks. It's so good. Like what you said, by far best match on the card. Stole the entire damn thing. And although um, Sheamus' words came back and bit him in the ass when MJF got a hold of him, like Sheamus can still go. And... Like putting them in the match with Gunther and just letting them beat the shit out of each other on pay per view in front of that hot ass crowd in Wales, it just made sense. And just everything about the match was good. And give me more of that. I think um, as of this recording, they they announced the rematch between the two of them. Um, yes, on TV, they're gonna kill each other. We're going to witness some murder on television, and I, I'm i here for it, to be honest with you. Two big, meaty men slapping meat. Yes. I'm here for it. <laughs> all, that, all that kinds of meat. Because if you're hearing this, the date goes out, you're hearing this on October 4th. This coming Friday, Friday, October 7th, is the rematch we've all been waiting for. And honestly, after that performance, and given that you, know, you don't know how much time Seamus has got left, Parmy wants to see him take that belt from Gunther and complete the Grand Slam. He's 44 years old, by the way, and having these kinds of matches. And if I go near, people would tell him, like, a guy wrestling at 44, like, why is he still wrestling? He's holding, he's taking spots from other people, but Sheamus is more than keeping his side of things. Him and the Brawling Brutes versus Imperial has been a hell of a feud on Smack there. And it was oh, hell yeah. It's, like, challenging the Usos recently. You know... I just what I'm realizing just through this Gunther thing is just that I I'm reminded I love Seamus. Seamus never got hasn't. I'm glad to see Seamus getting the appreciation he deserves. Seamus is so underrated. When yes. we look back at the 2010s, like folks forget Seamus 
He's had a Hall of Fame level career, and his ass ain't even done yet. And like we get caught up in the John Cena's and the Randy Orton's, the CM Punk's, the Daniel Bryan's for good reason because they all had great runs. But Sheamus, don't sleep. Do not sleep on Sheamus. He is the man. We love we love Sheamus in this house. We love him. Oh, I love Sheamus, but I've always uh, say to you suggesting that Gunther loses his belt to Sheamus. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, this could go either either way with Genius. I honestly don't know. I, I know coming up at Survivor Series, we've, we're talking about how it's not going to be the traditional brand v. brand thing. If we get no brand v. brand matches, I'll be a little bit disappointed in the back of my head because... You know, if we went if we went down the traditional route, that means this November, well, there was a possibility of seeing Lashley versus Gunther, and if there's oh even a one percent that kind of meaty men slapping meat kind of match, I'm gonna fucking take it. I don't care if it makes no sense, and the whole who's a better champion doesn't mean anything. I just want to see, you know, big Austrian man versus big former MMA man just run at each other and see who comes out on top. Yeah, it's. Just too big, me, me, slapping me. Like, it, I, I want to know what Gunther slash Walter's role is going to be at Survivor Series since we're doing war games. Like, we're doing, we're doing that shit. Are you going to put Emporium in a damn, or at least Gunther in a war games match against these dudes on the main roster? Because now that Papa H is booking the shit, this match is going to rule. So Gunther's gonna kill somebody. I oh my lord. I I have not been this excited to watch WWE wrestling in a very long time since Papa H took over. And Gunther's one of those guys where I am so fascinated at how Triple H is gonna treat him going forward. Because when do you have him cross paths with Roman Reigns? Ooh. Like because it's inevitable. <laughs> when hopefully, do you do it? Hopefully, very soon. I'd say, like, I suggest, like, just fuck it, do it. The rumble. I don't care who else you've got. Plaque because everybody knows the tail is not changing hands at the rumble. But I like the idea of having a warging. So I want to see him trap somebody in that bit of the ring, bit between the two rings or between the ropes in the cage. Just have them realize they've got nowhere to go and see that Walter Gunther's lining up for a chop. Like, no, no, just let their life flash before their eyes. Like, imagine Seth taking that shit. Like, it... Or, like, AJ Styles or something. Like It would be nuts. Nuts! Like, I can actually imagine Gunther char- chopping someone so hard they go through the War Games cage. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> or they go through the Forbidden Door, you know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I might leave a couple of little stats with you right now. Because at time recording, Gunther... Has under the WWE umbrella four matches rated five stars or higher by Dave Meltzer. They have the match with Tyler, two, both matches with Dragunov, and a match with Sheamus. So that's four. Brian Danielson has three. <laughs> so Gunther has more five star rated matches than Brian Danielson, and he has more than Kurt Angle, who has zero. <laughs> oh my God. No. That just speaks more to how Dave's been critical of Kurt. <laughs> it's because Kurt never went to the Tokyo Dome. That, that's his problem. 
Michael, Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle should have taken place at the Tokyo Dome. Six stars automatically. <laughs> I think John only has Shawn Michaels only has two, which is uh, well. I know Shawn was in the Hell in a Cell match. Shawn versus Razor at WrestleMania ten, and the first ever Hell in a Cell match both have five stars. So Shawn Michaels only has two, and Gunther already has four. In my heart, in my head, canon. Sean's two WrestleMania matches against The Undertaker are also five stars. So in my head, they're tied. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Those little, little stats there for you. But, uh, but guys, before we go, I say we've we talked a lot about how, you know, eventually we should see Roman Reigns versus Gunther and how Gunther is basically benefiting from the Triple H, you know, era of WWE. Here's a question I want to ask you guys. I'll go to Grant first then, Chris. How soon do you see Gunther not just challenging for, but ultimately winning one of WWE's world titles in the future? Oh, shit. Oh, oh, oh I can totally see that happening in the next three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, for as long as Roman Reigns is still the champion, we know it's not going to happen, but when we when we finally have another babyface holding one of those titles, I think Gunther should basically be like the guy who takes off and be the final boss of whichever brand he's on. Hell, here's a little bit of fancy making for you. If Cody ever wins one of one or both of those titles, Gunther should be his major feud, like Mister America versus the Evil Foreign Heel. And oh, you here know, we go. Yeah, because that's never because it's never backfired for Cody in the past. That yo, Cody solved racism. It's okay. Um, <laughs> so don't to begin chopped in the neck. Fucking Gunther chops in the neck so hard that bloody tattoo comes right off. All right, no, that'd okay. be crazy. <laughs> um, the I was thinking again. It all depends on the Roman Reigns of it all. In my in my perfect world, Roman drops one of those belts by WrestleMania. But I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But I I would say two to three because I don't know how the hell they're treating Roman Reigns. Plus, like, Gunther slash Walter with the IC belt, they've built that shit up so much the last few months. It's damn near main eventing pay-per-views. And with Roman doing the part-time schedule, it will main event pay-per-views. So the icy belt isn't a bad thing or isn't a demotion or, oh, they're keeping him in the mid card. No, he's making that shit look awesome. And his time will come with the world title. I feel like it's inevitable, especially with Papa H. But it all depends on Roman. Like all things in WWE, it all depends on Roman Reigns. One thing we've we've seen that we're talking about Gunther's title reigns is that when he holds on to a belt, he holds on to it for a long time. So if it's not going to be Sheamus this Friday, I think you have Gunther hold it to at least WrestleMania 39. You know, get the belt back on WrestleMania. And hell, like it's it's bizarre to me that since since 1988, when when Honky Dot Man broke set the record, they've not even had anybody like come close to breaking it. I know you had Santino doing a funny version of Trenty match up the honky donk man's record but like the fact that nobody has not thought of anybody during in the last 30 years to go like hmm 
well, like this guy, why don't we have him break the long man's record? Because if anyone's going to do it, I think you should have Gunther set another record. You know, he did it with the UK title. Have him do it with the IC title as well. That, I mean, I'm not mad at that. That sounds pretty cool to me. Yeah. Because, like, they uh, they talk about this so much, try to like build it back up as the workhorse title and everything. How so many group workers held it, yet they've still not done anything to change who's has the longest record. When you have a guy who had a gimmick of an Elvis impersonator, so he didn't have to work. <laughs> Damn! The more you talk about it, the more I want it to happen. Now, I I've never I didn't even think of that. I want that. I want that now. As much as I love Sheamus. Damn, Gunther breaking that record would be very freaking cool. So that's going to do it for us here on our ESSR feature show. Uh, we're going to be doing like different shows uh, going forward. We've got the wrestling mixtape, we've got bookets, we've got uh, some other ideas we've got coming forward. So it'll be another couple of months before you hear your next career profile, but it will be us and hopefully Gary Kiernan will be able to join us. Uh, He's our forgotten fourth member of this group. So who will be doing a career profile of next? Who knows? If you have an idea, let us know on our East Suplex Retreat community page on Facebook. Let us know at Suplex Retreat, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram if you have a suggestion. But we will be doing this on a semi-regular basis. Uh, keep up with past future shows and everything we've got coming up on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts, keep up with Central. Well, it's myself, Chris Lopez, John Ashwood, and David Hockney on a semi on a rotating basis. Join Ross McLeod for Ross McLeod for Central. Look all in latest news, reviews, everything going on in the world of wrestling. We have Saturday Draft Live with myself, David Hockney, Jack Gray, and Ryan Dalglish looking at ESR's fantasy draft. We have also East meets West, where at the time of recording, it's not happened yet, but when the time this comes out, Royal Quest will have happened, and so that. And everything going on there. Me and Grant should have a big episode of East Meets West coming to you very, very soon. Yeah, well, let's just pretend it's happened. How great was Royal Quest? Absolutely outstanding. I honestly could not believe the results from that. Who would have thought that but the Open and FTR would have went to a 90-minute draw? And who'd have thought Shabata would have came down and kicked Liz Truss? Out of London. Wrestling! <laughs> Wrestling. <laughs> Wrestling is such a fun and bizarre world. But thank you to the panel that have joined me here today for this career profile and hope to do it again very soon. Thank you very much, Grant McRobbie. Thank you, it's been a pleasure again. Thank you very much, Chris Anthony Lopez. With what's left of my voice. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Scott. Uh, I have it's got my cloud and remember there ain't no escaping a Gunther chopping. Goodbye. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.